And now, the world's most exciting podcast, The Savage Nation, home of borders, language, culture. Here he is, Michael Savage. Mr. Biden, why did you put your dad on speakerphone with your business partners if he had no involvement in your business? Do you have a dad? Did he call you? Yes. Did he answer the phone? Yes. Okay. But why did you need to talk to him during business meetings if he had nothing to do with your business? Welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Today, we have a very, very special guest, Ben Weingarten, who has been with us before. He is editor at large for Real Clear Investigations, senior contributor to The Federalist, a columnist at Newsweek, and a contributor to The New York Post and Epic Times, which I love, amongst other publications. You can subscribe to Ben's newsletter at Weingarten dot substack dot com and follow him on Twitter at B.H. Weingarten. That's W.E.I.N.G.A.R.T.E.N. Ben, welcome to the Michael Savage podcast. Thanks for having me. It's always a pleasure. I've seen you uh, all around the media. I, I guess I could begin with Hunter Biden storming out of the congressional hearing. What was that about? You know, I kind of have two reactions to that, <laughs> um, maybe more than two. One of them is this is part and parcel of an effort that Team Hunter has telegraphed for a while, which is they want to go on the offensive. They uh-huh. want to they want to file lawsuits against anyone and everyone who would dare expose any damaging information about the Biden international influence peddling scheme. And they believe that sitting back and remaining silent is the worst of a series of bad options. Savage. Michael Savage, a host like no other. Middle East on the brink. North Korea on the brink. Iran increasing its aggression. Elections in Taiwan. Look, there's a lot of global instability as we ourselves plunge into primary season. How have you sheltered your savings and investments from potential major setbacks to the economy? You think it can happen here? It can happen here, but it's not too late to diversify an old IRA or 401k into gold. And Birch Gold Group can help you with that. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. As opposed to many other investments, gold Gold thrives in times of uncertainty. It is an important part of diversifying your savings. Now listen, here's how Birch Gold can help make it a part of yours. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into a tax-sheltered IRA in gold. And it doesn't cost you a penny out of pocket. You want to learn more? Just text SAVAGE to 989-898 for a free info kit. S-A-V-A-G-E, text it to 989-898 and you get a free info kit. It costs you nothing. Just text SAVAGE to 989 with an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of happy customers, I encourage you to arm yourself with the knowledge of diversification through precious metals. Protect yourself. Text SAVAGE to 989-898 and claim your free info kit. Protect your savings with gold. Do it now. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Thank you very much. Birch Gold is the only gold company I trust. Text SAVAGE to 989-898. Ben, I grew up in New York, and we knew in the fifth grade that the best defense is a good offense. So what it is, he's going on the offense. In other words, it's it's a New York uh, a criminal defense attack, tactic is attack the witnesses, right? That's right. And they, they've gone so far as to sue the IRS, uh, sue the, you know, the feds essentially over 
the IRS whistleblowers who brought to light the non-investigation and prosecution of Hunter Biden, which then led to concocting of a sham plea deal, which collapsed and then led to actually the couple prosecutions going on right now of Hunter. They went after the computer repairman in Delaware and a series of other folks. What is, what is this? You know, I, I'll tell you the truth. Can you please tell me what this issue is with Hunter Biden before we move on? Because I don't even understand. Why are they trying to nail him to the cross so badly? What are they going to get out of it? Hunter Biden has always been the smokescreen for Joe Biden. And if there is zero message discipline based on the merits on that, then this is not going to wash with Americans. And maybe that's one of the reasons why Hunter is being so aggressive and out he there. Knows because it. It's not taking Ben. I'm in the media my whole life and I'm like, leave the guy alone. I don't even care about it. why are you focusing on him? It's like an obsession of, 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 of the New York Post. The whole point is that he was the bag man for an international influence peddling scheme, but the product was Joe Biden. At the, at the end of the day, that has to be the emphasis. There is no millions of dollars in two dozen shell companies flowing down to right. Joe Biden's grandchildren if it isn't for Joe Biden. That so is in other words, point. this is a in your estimation and the estimation of people who've been studying this. It seems to me this is almost like a soprano situation, like a crime family running America. Would we go so far as to say that it's along those lines or is that too far? Has America's national interest been served with the Bidens taking in tens of millions of dollars from all manner of adversarial countries and entities at the very same time that Joe Biden has supported policies as vice president and president that we would argue have directly aided, abetted and enabled those enemies. I think that that question speaks for itself. Ben, did you ever watch the TV show The Sopranos when it was on years ago? I, I did. And funny enough, I've been rewatching it. So have like I. I'm watching it again. And, you know, I'm not alone. I find out there's a whole trend again. And there's a reason for it, because whoever wrote it, I know there were multiple writers, including uh, the writer who wrote Mad Men. I uh, forget his name. Weiner, I think there was a, a great writer for that series. The many great writers. Everything was perfect about it. But it reminds me of a time in America where people could write scripts that were based upon how people actually talked when they were alone, meaning, let's say, Jersey Italians, Jersey Jews. That's how we spoke. I'm speaking I'm from that menu. This is how we actually talk. And it's like the only way to get to the truth is speak like it is. They talk, say it like it is. But there's a scene in it, which you may remember, which is relevant to the Bidens, called the Stiquito Bust Out, where they take over the Ramsey Outdoor Sporting Goods store. He gambles. They tell him not to. He loses 80 grand or something. And then they become his partner in the sporting goods store. And what the Sopranos Mafia family does is bust out the sporting goods store. They sell things in the, at the back of the store. They then bust out the credit line. It sounds just like this government. The Stiquito bust out. In many ways, the government operates like a mafia, but it's a legalized <laughs> mafia. You got to pay for protection. Well, yeah, I'm I'm a little concerned about that. I mean, we have kids being kicked out of a high school in New York so they can put illegal aliens into the high school during the storm and kids can't go to school. I got so infuriated. I said, I put 80 years into this country. 
My father put 57 years into this country. My grandfather died at 49 so I could have a better life. And now these people are coming here with, by the way, brand new clothing, new sneakers, perfect haircuts, new backpacks. Who's paying for them? Catholic charities, Protestant family services, Lutheran family services, Hebrew home for the age, Hebrew, uh, whatever. They're all in on this racket. Those are also front groups for this gigantic scam called Illegal Immigration Inc. You're right. It's a it's a massive grift. It's a cartel. It's government funded or at least government supported. The invasion is the Biden administration immigration policy. And people ask, you know, what what is the benefit beyond obviously the argument of this is going to ensure that there is a permanent Democrat majority in the not too distant future when there's an amnesty or a de facto amnesty. But even before we get to that point, and this is something that I really think is important to emphasize, apportionment of seats in the U.S. House, these districts are determined by population. And Uh, that is not the population of citizens. uh, It is people. So when we have a redistricting every 10 years, we are going to feel the effects of the massive illegal alien invasion in the way of our representation in Congress. So people may talk about, well, Americans are fleeing blue jurisdictions. However, if those jurisdictions are being flooded by illegal aliens, they're still going to probably net be beneficiaries of House seats. So this is about direct political power now, even before you have the mass amnesty down the road. Well, this is what happened in California. It's why I haven't had a vote here in 30 years. There is no Republican Party. It's a uniparty system, as it is in New York and many other Democrat states. And that's exactly the way these gangsters want it, which is the actual taxpaying citizens have no vote whatever. I remember years ago, 30 years ago, I I fought. I actually helped pass Prop 209 in California. Everyone's forgotten that. I held massive rallies in the mid 90s to pass Prop 209, which said that you cannot use race in hiring and advancements and in admissions to schools. Seven million Californians voted for 209. One judge. And this is a great story. I think he's still around. He was a former ACLU lawyer named Felton Henderson. Overrode the votes of six point nine million Californians and said that proposition is null and void. And that is why we now have in this state total anarchy and chaos in terms of no representation whatsoever. Felton Henderson was his name. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's Savage On Demand. I see in your articles that you are interested in other topics such as Israel, um, her grandniece released from Hamas, um, Hunter Biden we talked about. Oh, boy. Shed light on Fed's collusion with private actors to police speech on social media. Elon Musk exposed the media matters as an ideological shakedown operation. They've been after me since I began in radio. I don't know. I mean, they're funded by George Soros originally, Media Matters, if I remember correctly. And they are now, in essence, the uh, the thought police for Joe Biden and the Demon Cats, right? There's a whole massive network of thought police that ranges from a whole coterie of federal agencies to these putatively private actors. Some of them bill themselves as, of course, nonpartisan and apolitical, 
quote unquote democracy focused yeah, right. all the way down to, as you know, the likes of Media Matters, which is obviously an abashed, unabashed, you know, overt arm of the left. And I view the censorship regime as directly linked to the lawfare regime that's being imposed in America as well, which is there is a concerted effort to, in the name of our democracy, quote unquote, completely eviscerate all dissent. <laughs> right. Part of that is, is well, effectively- that, isn't that democracy according to fascists? <laughs> right, right. Our democracy should really be read as defending our Democrats or defending our regime. Because at the end of the day, what it says is you, the people, cannot be allowed to actually express yourselves and have representatives who actually represent your beliefs. Only our small band of beliefs is acceptable. You're going to pick from a variety of candidates that are vetted by us. You are only going to be able to make certain arguments. And we're going to take you to court and bankrupt you and break you and maybe throw you in jail. If you refuse to submit. So, yeah, when yeah, you look we're at all the- afraid. Ben, we're all afraid of it. We're all terrified that this fascist government under Joe Biden could crack down on any one of us and, and, and frame us for something we didn't do. I mean, I, I do podcasts. I do some shows, you know, on YouTube. I sit and think about what these these SOBs could do to me. I, I, I would be, uh, you know, Creating a falsehood. If I said I don't look over my shoulder, I do. I worry about them. And, and look what just happened with Trump. A judge said he can't give closing arguments in his own trial. Now, you are an expert on the law. You're a lawyer by training, aren't you? Uh, no, but adjacent. What, what's your degree in? So I was an econ poli sci major. And out of school, I actually worked in bankruptcies and restructurings. So okay. I was familiar <laughs> you should, with- You should go to work for the government. <laughs> right, exactly. But, no, but I, they just I had a lot of experience going into the dockets and reading legal documents. Right, so and tell me this. Precedent. So um, the, judge said, the, the judge says Trump cannot give the closing arguments in his trial. Where was that, in New York from that crackpot judge? Yeah, where the case is already is already closed. Uh, it's just a formality at this point, finishing this off. So I have a question for you. I see criminals in court all the time representing themselves. Why can't Trump represent himself with a closing argument? That's an interesting point. If he fired his lawyers and submitted to the court, I want to represent myself. Ah. I'm not oh. sure how the judges, I'm not sure how the judge would respond to that. But let's just note, what what is that case about? You talk about it's a crackpot case, but it's a really serious one also, they are trying to destroy his livelihood in New York. Yes. This is part of the systematic effort to destroy him as as illustrative of or personifying you know, what could come for any of us. Like yeah. you said, yes, it is bankrupt him, gag him and silence him so he can't defend himself. Run these sham cases where the regime is essentially playing judge, jury and executioner. And then worst case push it to the Supreme Court. And there is, of course, a massive effort to delegitimize and damage the Supreme Court. We obviously saw an assassination attempt on a Supreme Court justice. It's after awful. the That's the whole play at this point. It's horrible what they're doing to Clarence Thomas. And what strikes me is more than ironic. He's the only African-American Supreme Court justice. And they're shameless in their accusa- false accusations 
and attacks upon him. When in fact, it came out last week that Sotomayor has become a multimillionaire <laughs> from from questionable book deals, while the most brilliant uh, Latina in the world has been sitting on the Supreme Court. Basically, that's bribery to give people an advance of three million dollars for a book that no one buys. They want to make Clarence Thomas recuse himself from any or every Trump case that ultimately may come before the court. I think they know that he will never break no matter what they do. Oh. He showed that in the confirmation hearings. But it is a direct message to the more wobbly figures, which is most of the figures yeah. on the court, which is what we're doing to Clarence Thomas. We can do to you and your family, too. We'll harass you. We will have a whole battery of... <sighs> Uh, stories to smear you and toxify you in the oh. press will drag your wife oh. and kids through oh, the mud. But we're looking the same thing with Bill Ackman and his wife. This mm. is the play. If you can't fight on the merits, you have to attack your political opponents, smear them, drag them through the mud, test their character and their courage, essentially. And Clarence Thomas is one man who stands up and has a courage that is desperately needed across the country. But there are very few Clarence Thomases out there. Really, there's only one. Clarence he's an Thomas older man. If I remember correctly, he's in his late 60s. I don't know what his age is. He also, I think, has had prostate cancer. So they're going after a vulnerable man who is ill to try to kill him in order to control the Supreme Court. And at the same time, don't you find it odd that all the stuff about uh, Epstein and sex slave is coming out now? to distract us from what the Bidens are doing. Isn't it interesting that we're reading about all of these orgies of Epstein and sex slaves to distract us from the uh, slavery in America that's being imposed upon the American people through this ruthless, vicious regime? There are no coincidences. And <laughs> the, the only thing that I would say about the Epstein story that is interesting and that is worthy of pursuit Obviously, it's a disgusting story all around, but the theory is about his ties to the national security apparatus, to the intelligence apparatus. That is interesting. And that is, I think, something that is relevant to these times, because if the theory holds up and look, there's plenty of circumstantial evidence to suggest that he had these ties to all manner of world leaders. He was a known sex offender and pedophile, frankly. Mm. And yet these people continued to meet with him and he somehow amassed this tremendous wealth. If mm. the idea is that he was part of essentially a shakedown scheme, who was he working on behalf of? Just himself? Wait, wait. It wait, wait. Epstein questions was who he was an asset of. Abst Epstein was a mathematical genius who was an investor, wasn't he? That's right. So we have to assume he made his money by investing wisely. Are you implying otherwise? Well, there's a theory out there which says that essentially he engaged in a shakedown operation, that he was not a uh, wizard of investor, although, yes, he did work originally at a very prominent Wall Street firm. But there, there's not been an explanation as to how he amassed such wealth. There's not been a, an explanation of here's what his portfolio looked like and here's what his returns were year after year. And I think that there's probably merit to the idea that he was accumulating compromise on people and to what end and on behalf of whom. I don't think that that's just idle speculation or that's a conspiracy theory. I think that there's plenty of evidence to suggest that's the case. So is there a connection between that and the wealth that he amassed and how he was able to negotiate the most sweetheart of sweetheart prosecutions and evade the long arm of the law for so long?
I, I'm just asking questions, but I think they're reasonable questions. I said a few years ago, we've gone from Einstein to Epstein in one generation. <laughs> and as a person of the Jewish faith myself, I'd like to know what happened to my people. Why, you know, I'm sorry, Epstein, Weinstein, uh, who was that other one in, in, in prison? Mogul, Harvey Weinstein, Epstein. I've never seen anything like this. Madoff, where are the great men amongst the Jewish people today other than you and I? I'm joking. I don't even know. You're probably Episcopalian. I don't. But I'm joking. But I, I don't joke about things like this because the war in Israel, which we should talk about, which I know you're quite knowledgeable of, is a very serious uh, event, not only for the Israelis, but for the world. And I personally think Israel will never recover from this on many levels. There's no way to defeat. They're never going to defeat Hamas by killing every member of Hamas. It's like saying, well, we're going to kill every member of how could you kill every member of Hamas when many people identify with Hamas? And, and that's number one. But number two, who's going to go to Israel now as tourists, economy, and, and all the young people in their 20s and 30s who are in the reservists are fighting, so the economy has crashed. I, I don't see how you... Does Netanyahu survive this? I personally don't think so. I mean, I don't mean, I don't mean physically, I mean politically. Well, first of all, let me just say thank you for not including Weingarten in the parade of horrible. <laughs> Stop it. No, no, come on. I I'm, I said I'm Jewish. I mean, I was clear about that. OK, my family name is Weiner. Everybody knows that. There's no secret. I wrote 20 books as Michael Weiner, Ph.D. on health and nutrition. I'm not a, ashamed of it. I have a stage name called Michael Savage. Again, that's the way it is. Woody Allen's real name is Mishilovitz or something. I don't. Bob Dylan is is Bob Goldberg or something. So people do use uh, stage names. Mark Twain was Samuel Clemens. So what's the big deal? But that's not, what happened to my people. How they go so crazy in this country? Well, and I think we've talked about this bef before. Uh, for especially less religious Jews, their religion, in effect, is leftism, or they view. Judaism as equivalent to or consonant with leftism. And I think that explains in large part uh, the disastrous policy positions taken by Democrats. Uh, these individuals have essentially, you know, they supported the very DEI regime where that <sighs> Jew hatred is at the center of. of you, course. Mean, you mean liberal Jews now? We're being very clear. Leftist Jews, among others. Yeah. And, and and that obviously that's had a, a disproportionately disastrous consequence for Jews and for all of Judeo-Christian Western civilization. And by the way, you know, of course, there there were prominent Jews in the Obama White House and now in the Biden White House, who I believe have put forth a policy which is also disastrous for the Jewish state, Jewish people and Judeo-Christian civilization writ large. I mean, to pivot back to your question about does, does Bibi survive this? There's a whisper campaign from the Biden administration already that his days are numbered. Already, there was a near civil war in Israel, in part fomented by the left in the West, as well as in Israel, which destabilized the country and created the conditions where time was ripe for Hamas to execute an attack The country like was that. divided almost in a civil war. Savage. The Savage Nation. It's savage, uncut, unfiltered, and raw. 
think you said to me on the last uh, interview we did together that it was Harvard lo- trained lawyers who went back to Israel or on the Supreme Court and they think they know better. Is it, what, didn't you say that to me? That, 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 that sounds that sounds right. And, and it is it is right. The, the, the fact of the matter is that he is under pressure from essentially every single direction. There is Iran and all of its proxies. There's the Biden administration, which puts forth a public front of we stand with Israel, but then does everything it possibly can to put the screws to Israel and def- defend and protect its worst adversaries, including Iran and all of its proxies. Then you have the left within Israel and then you have opponents on the right as well. So you put all that together and the pressure is unending. Now, my you mean response- on Netan- I want to be clear on Netanyahu and people don't understand that it's a different system than ours. We are living in a dictatorship that's punctuated by a vote every four years. They have a parliamentary system, which can be a new government can be formed literally, literally rather quickly. Correct. That's right. And it's 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 politics. It's getting coalitions together and, and you can force a vote and he could be taken out of office. And of course, there was a Trump like campaign to go against him before a lawfare campaign to take him out previously. There's there's they have their own version of TDS, Trump derangement syndrome. And it seems like it's modeled upon what we had with Trump. All of that said, in the middle of a war, all indications are that there's been a so-called coalition left and right working together with a unified front. There are cracks in it. Now would be the time, let's say Bibi is a lame duck. Now would be the time to do things you couldn't do if you were trying to fight to survive another day as a prime minister. And maybe, just maybe, if those difficult decisions are taken, it could lead to rallying the country and extending his time in office. But as I noted, the pressure is coming from all sides. And I think as a consequence, Hamas has lived and will continue to persist far longer than it otherwise would have. I do not. At this point, I'm not confident that Israel is going to do what it needs to eliminate the Hezbollah threat from the north, which, by the way, is infinitely more dangerous than the threat that Hamas poses, let alone Iran and its other proxies in the region as well. And clearly, the Biden administration is doing everything it can to protect Hezbollah in Lebanon, to protect Iran's the Houthis, who he de-designated as a terrorist group within a month of his presidency. And on and on, the unfreezing of billions of dollars to the mullahs, et cetera. The entire play is act like you are supporting Israel. By the same token, do everything possible to maintain the status quo. The status quo being elevate Iran and its proxies to the strong course in the region. And that is the entire policy. And I'm not confident at all that the American people have any sense of the reality of that policy. And how disastrous it ultimately is for us and our troops who are getting attacked daily in the region. I agree with you uh, here in America. I didn't know we had so many pro Hamas terrorists running around, including liberal Jews called rabbis for peace or whatever. I don't even know who they are. But when I saw pro-Palestinian uh, vandals defacing an L.A. veteran cemetery in Los Angeles with anti-soldier symbols, I said, this has got to stop because I have predicted for many years and people called me many different names <clears throat> that the day will come when the left will break the crosses off war memorials saying that they're offensive to uh, Muslims. And people said, you're crazy. It'll never happen. We're, we're one breath away from that. When Palestinian, uh, I don't even know. We don't even know if they're citizens. We don't know who they are. It, me, it was up to me. I'd arrest them all and let sort it out in prison. Who are you? 
I want to see your citizenship papers. Do you even belong here? But we know that's not going to happen under Biden. Who is funding this Palestinian uh, uh, intifada here in America, in America, these riots all over the country? Is it Soros money again, Ben? Well, if you look at this coterie of groups and obviously, and by the way, I saw this when I attended Columbia. This is going back 2006 to 2010. My eyes opened when I witnessed Israel Apartheid Week, an annual week at a whole slew of campuses across the country. And you look at who are the sponsors of these events. And these events are essentially about propagating blood libels against Jews, attacking America, attacking Israel, attacking the West itself with the kind of Edward Said view of the world. And you look at who are the sponsors. It's always the progressive Students Association, Democratic Socialists of America on campuses, Muslim Student Association, and all of the other offshoots, essentially, of the Muslim Brotherhood in America. And then in some cases, of course, you have public funding of activist groups that are a part of this unholy alliance between progressive leftist groups and then the pro-Islamist groups in America. So who's the funding? It's really the entirety of the progressive left, and that obviously includes Soros among many others, because they are part of this alliance, which ultimately aims to upend, undermine, and destroy the American society that we know and love and replace it with their twisted and dystopic and totalitarian vision of the world. Now, who wins ultimately when you've got the progressives on the one hand and Islamic supremacists on the other? Well, I guess Allah would ultimately sort that out. <laughs> but they make common cause now because they have a common enemy. And that common enemy is the patriotic Americans cast recast as domestic terrorists and the West writ large. Obama defends Harvard's genocidal Jew hater protecting serial plagiarist president to save the ER regime, says Ben Weingarten in the New York Post. We, we've talked about this. People know who she is now. You know, when this first came up, <clears throat> having been earned my PhD in a real field and had my dissertation published as a book. <clears throat> I take doctorates very seriously, good ones, when they really mattered. I looked into her doctorate. It was total dreck. She really only published six papers or so, and they were all very light in substance. I had no idea about the plagiarism, but I knew they meant nothing. It was all about race and how oppressed uh, people of color are that uh, qualified for a PhD. So then they found out she even copied that garbage from legitimate scholars. And then when the onion was peeled even further, she was malicious, Ms. Gay, towards African-American male professors who were far superior to her academically. Uh, she destroyed them along the way in her climb to the top of the pyramid and pushed into the presidency literally overnight by this mad woman, Pritzker, I'll never stay in a Hyatt again, by the way. I used to love the Hyatt <laughs> uh, chain. No, I, I'm serious. They tarnished the Hyatt, the Hyatt name, the Pritzka family. What can we say that hasn't been said about this uh, plagiarist president at Harvard? Is there anything new about her that we should know? I mean, she kept her $900,000 deanship after being thrown out of the presidency. What a punishment, Ben, huh? <laughs> yeah, her, de her demotion is to remaining as a tenured professor there getting a $900,000 a year. And to me, the biggest takeaway is this, beyond the fact that Claudine Gay's elevation to that position is the perfect representation of the 
the ends of the DEI regime. She was a dogged proponent of DEI as she worked her way up through the administration. Of course. She made it there without with the plagiarism, the serial plagiarism, as you noted. And then she oversaw a DEI administrative state in effect that led to that fomented, in my view, and protected certainly the genocidal Jew haters on the campus, which led to that congressional testimony in the first place and started the whole ball rolling on her ultimate demise. But here to me is the biggest thing. If you look at her statement and Harvard statements after she resigned and, and the Harvard Corporation led by Pritzker accepted her resignation, they show zero contrition. You would not even know why she resigned, why they accepted the resignation. Well, and then, of course, what's the tactic? They attack the people who raise these legitimate issues they went around how she could have ever been there in the first place. Bill Ackman was called every name under the sun because he's he went after her by withdrawing some of his donations. Bill Ackman's a big hedge fund operator in New York, people should know, and a man of great character who said he's not going to tolerate this. So now he's being vilified. His family's being vilified. His wife's being vilified. Again, the Clarence Thomas model, as you said earlier, is being used against Ackman. Who orchestrates this for the Democrat Party? Is there some central office that does this? Who are they? It's like Biden, Inc. In some ways, you would think that this is some kind of a grand conspiracy and everyone who's in on this protection racket and this grift essentially is coordinating. And of course, we have seen that before. You remember, I'm sure, the journalist scandal where everyone in the media was coordinating on their stories and they got their talking points and disseminated them. I honestly think, although Obama being involved with this and Penny Pritzker being involved with this does suggest really Democrat party direction, because of course, Penny Pritzker was a cabinet member for Barack Obama and a huge Democrat donor as well. But I almost think it's organic at this point. They know automatic response is this if way. you take a shot at our regime and you threaten our power and that is what the dei regime at the end of the day is about it's about pitting people against each other and also keeping disparate groups together as a political coalition while chilling and neutralizing your political foes by casting them as racists and bigots as harvard corp and claudine gay did and then if you're actually investigating these claims like the new york post was we're going to threaten you with the most high powered defamation lawyers in the world so you don't go and pursue the story. I think at the end of the day, it's almost organic. It's known if you challenge the party, the party is going to circle the wagons and do everything it can to protect a Claudine Gay or a Harvard as, as an institution because it is so essential to their hold on power. I mean, the schools, let's not forget, these are the credentialing institutions and the feeders for every single influential institution in society. If you lose control of left-wing indoctrination factories that are our elite academic institutions, you might lose your monopoly on power. So that's why they fought so hard for Gay. That's why even when she was finally forced to resign, which I was somewhat surprised by, I thought they would continue fighting and she would you know, follow the Bill Clinton sort of model here. Deny, 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 delay, 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 and it'll go, go away. But even still, you wouldn't know, reading the letters that they put out, the statements they put out, why they let her go. And it's because they can't defend the fact that she was ever elevated in the first place. Yes. All they can do is smear 
their critics. It's just Republicans pounce, Republicans seize. That's right all wing, they've got. Right That's wing white supremacists. It was evil white supremacists who exposed her plagiarism. And, and secondly, the idea of plagiarism, Ben, is a uh, uh, is a white privilege. I mean, plagiarism should be allowed if you're a person of color because you've been oppressed. So you should copy anyone you want and put your name on it because you have to make up for lost time. See, Ben, you're not seeing it from their point of view. You mentioned the magic word Obama. I saw an interview the other day that actually was astonishing of the none other than the whiny Michelle Obama is suddenly back in the in the in the face of the people. I don't know who the guy was, a podcaster who did you see the interview? I did. You see I the guy's head going yep. like this. Like this, like a bobble, like a bobblehead, whatever. The minute Michelle sat there, this character, this podcaster like this, people were sh like, like, like a machine. Yes, master. Yes. So it looks to me like she's getting ready, Ben, getting ready. They're warming her up in the in the bullpen, aren't they? That was my initial response was so she's running that and, and sort of tongue in cheek, but also and 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 let's we should put running in air quotes actually because as you know one of the methods that the democrats could use if ultimately they deem joe biden to be too big a liability is control the nomination process get him to be the nominee and then sideline him after if you look at the relevant democrat laws or democrat bylaws rules whatever the technical term is for them huh. they have essentially a clause which says you know, for health or other reasons, if a candidate has to be jettisoned, including for president, then essentially in smoke filled rooms, it's the party that can choose who the replacement is. So that puts Michelle Obama and anyone and everyone else under the sun potentially in play. You mean they, Biden can be made the candidate and then they could remove him for health reasons in a marijuana film room, filled room in a pot filled room. Or if Hunter's there, maybe cocaine. A crack uh, room. What am I thinking? Right. No, so in other words, they could just put her in there. So that's I, right. I thought, I thought they picked Gavin. And then we saw Gavin Newsom in in Mexico in a golf cart with Bill Clinton. The hell was that about? Bill Seems Clinton? like a poor choice by Gavin. Why would he ride around in a golf cart with him I, at this time with the Epstein? You know, I have to bring up the Epstein thing again because Trump was named as well, Ben. I mean, we'd be we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that. What's that about? Just before all of this now, Trump's name comes up with Epstein. What do you think that was? That was pretty well orchestrated, wasn't it? Interestingly, and it's sort of it's it's a pox on every house is the attempt, I think, in the way <laughs> that the the story and and probably justifiably so in terms of the fact that many people got caught up in Epstein's web. But the thing is, for Trump, it's basically exculpatory. Everything that's been put forth, it's he had nothing to do with this guy. He wasn't privately dining with him. You know, he he cut off ties with him well before many others who continued to visit with Epstein and spend time with him, even after it was known the disgusting, depraved life that he led. But it is interesting, obviously, you got figures right and left, Americans, Israelis, many other figures <laughs> named in this. Uh, it, it, you know, you couldn't wait, make wait, up. Ben, a story sorry, now like you got my attention. I got my which Israeli was involved in the in the orgies here. Which one did they get? Which one was over there? Ehud Barak. His name comes up what? numerous times. It's you a it's a Ehud Barak went over there for a little fun and games. I don't know if he went to Epstein Island, but I do know, I, I think the reports indicate that he met with Epstein 
a few dozen times. Uh, that's a pretty significant. I interviewed connection. him. A few, I interviewed him last year, Ehud Barak, because people don't know if you ever saw the movie Munich by Spielberg, that amazing uh, uh, undercover uh, operation where Israeli special forces dressed as women in in, in uh, Muslim garb and actually invaded a PLO headquarters in Beirut. It was a shock. And Ehud Barak was a general at the time, I believe, or an activist in that. He was a brave warrior, former president, very left, very left winger, but also very credentialed as both a warrior and a politician. So he went over there, too. He also had a little uh, visit over to Epstein's Island for some knishes. <laughs> I don't know if he went to the island, but he definitely met with Epstein a number of times. And this leads further down the conspiracy rabbit hole of Jelaine Maxwell's father apparently had pretty senior ties to Israeli leadership. And so there are questions of, you know, what's going on here? Essentially, wow. you got all well, now different- you really you're really putting wait, wait, wait. The father was a famous um, newspaper man in England, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. What was his name? Robert Maxwell, Robert Maxwell. Yep. And he owned which newspaper chain or something. What I he don't was recall. A- he was a publishing magnate, a newspaper magnate, the father, Giselle Maxwell's father. He dr- he was found dead off his own yacht, right? That's right. OK, so he took a little dive off his own yacht or someone helped him do a nosedive in the water in the cold waters one night. Uh, this is this is now really a whole this is a real mystery novel. This plays into all the cliches and conspiracy theories that you could ever imagine. <laughs> I but- can't believe it. But but, you know, it's 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 like you couldn't you couldn't draft it up any better. And I just I look at the facts and I say, okay, how can we connect these dots? And what are the motivations of the different players involved? And it just raises naturally any number of questions, which, like you said, maybe this is all a distraction from the really important thing is before us right now. But I do think that there are nuggets or kernels associated with this story that are worth delving into. And in part, it's the the seeming corruption of the national security and law enforcement apparatus and whether it exists to defend and protect the American people at the end of the day or the interests of the ruling regime. And unfortunately, I think it appears to be much more to the latter. And to me, that represents sort of the Chinaization or the CCPization mm. of what's become of the American Republic, which is regime rules. It controls us in any number of ways. It uses every lever of power that it can. And it doesn't want us to be a free people who who are governed with our consent. It rather wants to make us, as you note, the slaves and the regime our masters. Savage. Home of borders, language, culture, the Savage Nation. A savage republic inside the plot to destroy America lays out the threats we face, prepare you for what's next, and offer solutions to save our republic. Please wake up and fight back before it is too late. You can buy it right now on Amazon or on bondsandnoble.com. A Savage Republic, Inside the Plot to Destroy America by Michael Savage. Thank you for listening. Share it with five others. I have a friend who's a brilliant guy He's a Harvard PhD, a former professor many years ago. And he says that the Bidens are compromised by the Chinese government of China. Do you believe that's true? 
I think there's every indicator that it's a compromised administration based upon the ties via Hunter and others to the CCP, which is almost definitional if you're doing any business with any sort of Chinese entity, because they all are answerable at the end of the day or governed by or have Chinese Communist Party councils embedded in them. Well, we don't know how far it goes, but his, his point is that China's practicing an ancient policy, which is to destroy the enemy without firing a shot, undermining us with illegal aliens by supporting these organizations that bring them in, undermining us through uh, the filth and destruction that is emanating from the sewers of the Democrat Party, undermining us by destroying the rule of law, undermining us by funding these organizations that support DEI, and without firing a shot, they literally could break America if we're not already broken, which leads me to the last question, Ben. You've been very patient here, and I, I'm, I'm enjoying this because you understand my interview technique is a lot different. We're not we're not logical in our it's a discussion that leads in different directions all at once. Has America been broken? Can it survive if it has been or are we able to say we've not yet been broken? I think that America can survive, but it will take a different form than the, I don't know if it, you want to call it pre-1960s America, where you want to put the point of demarcation on in terms of where the decline and fall starts. America can be reborn as a great country. However, times are incredibly perilous right now. What I always go back to when I'm uh, despondent about where we are is Look, the progressives were a fringe, radical sect yes. with probably less less power and influence, clearly, than conservatives in this country. Uh, still, somehow, 50% of the population, even with all the propaganda and the indoctrination from kindergarten or before kindergarten on, for multiple generations, still has common sense. The truth still ultimately does lead people towards something resembling rationality and a conservative understanding of the world. That is sort of the optimistic take on things. The pessimistic take is, and I think a realistic take is, look, every institution is essentially controlled by those who wish to throw their political foes in the gulag or in hoc to those who yes. would do so. And so consequently, what do you do in a situation where uh, the game is rigged and the house kind of controls everything? And, you know, we're at a point where, as you know, the rule of law is gone. All norms yes. and principles and the kinds of the glue that held even you know vigorous political opponents against each other together. Just that's gone. all gone. We don't uh, live in a shared America. We live in no. a couple of different countries, at least at this point. Well, so divide, divide and conquer it goes back to the idea that China has basically almost broken us without firing a shot. And they're not through yet. So uh, when you have a younger generation that's come up on. Ritalin, first Ritalin, then Adderall, then other mind-altering drugs, and they don't really know right from wrong, up from down, left from right. They have no sexual morality of the type that uh, was prevalent when I was a child, whether anyone followed it is one thing, but there were rules. There are no rules now. It's like, if it feels good, do it. Why not do it in the road? If you want to sleep with a dog, sleep with a dog, and anyone who's against you is a racist or a bigot or whatever you want to say. So you have a whole generation of young pioneers i'm using a loaded phrase which i know you know who they were you want to go further we would say they're a breath away from being the Khmer rouge 
but I would say the inner city violent youths are the potential Khmer Rouge here in America. All we need is one demon Democrat to deputize them, give them clubs and an outfit, and call them green uh, something or other, green canvassers, and go door to door and tap on all the middle class white people's doors with a nightclub, a nightstick, and suddenly we're in Cambodia, Ben. That is my nightmare of nightmares, which is Cambodia, Pol Pot, under this administration. Now, I know that's a little too far for anyone to even go to, but this, this whole charade that we're watching, with Biden is clearly senile. The other day, Ben, he comes back from a long vacation. He gives a hate speech, another hate speech, and then he doesn't know where he is on the stage. And the social worker, hippie wife, Jill Biden, who we're not allowed to say anything about, who was really running America, I think, the hippie socialist social worker wife goes over and grabs him and kisses, talks to him in his ear. Like, you'll be okay, honey, just do what I say. And he doesn't know where he is. He again, it goes the wrong way on the stage. The king has no clothes. The king has no brain. This is classic Parkinsonian dementia, as I've said many times, that as near as a few years ago, any second-year medical student would say, the president has Parkinsonian dementia. Just the body shuffle. You go to any, any assisted living, and you see people with the walk. That's Parkinson's disease. It's very sad, but it also affects the mind, Ben. So to some extent, run, she's running yeah. the country, the hippie social worker wife. Yeah, well, and remember, that's Dr. Jill Biden you to, mean, to, to, you, to you and I. But is it a doctor in poli sci or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah I, to some extent, I think the brazenness of it and the fact that it's so apparent is part of the point. The, wow. the idea is, and remember, of course, you ran the basement campaign in 2020. We can beat you with anyone, anytime, anywhere. I called him want. a hologram in the basement. Remember, I was calling him that. Well, now he's a hologram literally in the White House. So can we end on a Trump note? I mean, I don't even want to talk about it because to me, it's it's too absorbing. I don't even want to say it. If he survives all of these attacks, and he runs. Can he win? I think he can win. But the question is, how are you going to overcome the entire voting system plus censorship regime, plus all the other plus street violence, plus all the other assaults to ultimately prevail? And in a system where it's the ballots and collecting the ballots that ultimately is what counts rather than earning and securing your votes. To me, that's always been the question. Can he get a majority of voters to vote for him? Yes, absolutely. Can you win under a system that is rigged against you in every single way and controlled by your worst political foes? Very hard to, to imagine being able to do it. And yet last time, remember, with similarly dire circumstances, it was still you know, on the order of uh, tens of thousands of votes in a few states, even with everything going against him and the system altered against the law in many states. So this time around, if we were not voting under a draconian, quote unquote, COVID regime, mm. you know, will there be the same ability to rig the system? 
I don't know, but I wouldn't put anything past them because they're clearly willing to do anything right now, as we've seen, to win. You look at Schumer and Raskin and you realize we're living in the Soviet Union. Um, it reminds me of Andrew Stonewall Jackson, who said, now that you have ruled in force in response to the Supreme Court ruling, it was I forget the ruling and I forget the issue, but the Supreme Court ruled one way and the president at that time, Andrew Stonewall Jackson said, now that you have ruled in force, and that reminds me of if Trump wins, I don't think he's going to get one bill through Congress. <laughs> now that you've won the presidency, now try to be the president. They will stop him at every step in every way. We'll have total chaos one way or the other. I will vote for him, but I'm not optimistic that we can have any justice in this nation ever again with such an entrenched uh, left-wing fanaticism of the type that we are seeing. You're going to have the last word because you're my guest, Ben. Go ahead, tell us anything you wish and stuff like that. I agree with you. The, the situation is dire. The rule of law has been eviscerated. Everything is essentially trending against what we know to be good and true <laughs> and, and holy in, in the deepest sense. But the only thing that I can say is it is it is powerful to look at the courageous figures who do withstand these assaults in these absurd and crazy chaotic times these absurd and crazy and chaotic times do create interesting opportunities for people to rise to the occasion and seize the initiative and ultimately the thing that gets me up every day and energized is we have no other alternative there's no other place to go there's not going to be another place to go so do we sit on our hands and let things collapse or do we ev do everything that we possibly can to do what we can with what we have to defend this country for our families, for our communities, for our ancestors, because there's no other choice at the end of the day. This is I'm, the only path. I'm not leaving. Take. I'm not the only way the out country. is through. I'm not leaving the country. I, I'm not going anywhere. This is my birthright. But they want us not to vote is what they want. I know what they want. They want only to activate their their voters. And they don't want those of us who are disheartened to, to vote at all, frankly. And uh, the, I know people who who um, have voted for Trump who've told me they're not going to vote at all. They've told me that. And, and that's what they want. They want to dishearten us to the point we feel it doesn't matter, that our vote doesn't matter whatsoever. So, Ben, I'll close with how I open, which is how do people follow you? Let's do it very clearly so that the folks who do follow me for whatever it is worth will follow you. Ben, what's the best way to reach you and follow your work? Well, I appreciate that. Two primary ways. My substack, which is Weingarten, W-E-I-N-G-A-R-T-E-N, dot substack dot com. And then on X at B.H. Weingarten, same spelling. OK, Ben, see you in the gulag. <laughs> I get the top bunk. <laughs> we'll toss a coin over that. All right, Ben, let's remember the old adage, illegitimate non-cover on them, even though it was a made up phrase. It, it worked for the for the Romans. Allegedly, it didn't. But it was used to say that they said that while the barbarians had invaded and broke, 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 broke Roman, too. 
the phrase which was allegedly said, don't let the illegitimate grind, don't let the grind you down. And we'll always have the Sopranos either way. I'm rewatching the reruns and I, I don't know why. And I read the other day that it's a big trending thing that people are rewatching it. Why is that, Ben? Why are so many of us rewatching it? I think because it's it's authentic, it's raw, it's timeless. It captures uh, the most human of qualities. And because everything now is kind of contrived and covered up in euphemism, this is the unvarnished truth about human nature and people. And I think that appeals to people, even who have been indoctrinated and brainwashed into <laughs> the DEI regime that we talked about. <laughs> All right, let's hear it for the for the writers of The Sopranos. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. A, ple- a pleasure to see you hang in there, and I'll see you again, hopefully, in the near future. Thanks so much. Always a pleasure and appreciate it. Bye now. Enjoy the day. Savage. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it and you'll learn something from it. We have about 400 other episodes available for you to listen to absolutely free. You can go back into our vast library of podcasts and listen to any one of them at any time. And remember this, if you want to listen to my podcast ad-free, sign up for the Savage Premium Membership and get access to ad-free podcasts as well as some premium content from our Savage Archives. How do you sign up for those ad-free podcasts? Please visit michaelsavage.com for a link. Again, thank you for your listenership. This is Michael Savage.